Coming up on the Children's Hour, we're going to go inside caves with three cave biologists who are researching life underground. Dr. Diana Northup and her team are from the University of New Mexico's Libraries and Learning Sciences. They're researching the cutting edge of life inside caves and discovering that caves are teeming with life. We'll also learn the basic facts about caves, like how they're formed and where we can find them. This episode is mixed with great music. Stick with us for the Children's Hour. The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated. We're a New Mexico-based nonprofit organization dedicated to giving kids opportunities to create radio. You can learn a lot more about us at childrenshour.org. It's time for the Children's Hour. Kids Public Radio. What kind of jewelry do speleothems wear? I don't know what. Cave pearls. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for the Children's Hour. Kids Public Radio.
That was the Mud Cakes with the title track from their release called Cave Baby. You're listening to the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone here with a lot of kids at the Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico and on Zoom. Who do we have with us today? Hi, it's Lily May. Hello, it's Amadeus. Hi, it's Nina. Hi, it's Kodiak. Hello, it is Corbett. Hi, it's Beth. Hi, it's Evan. Hello, it's Luminata. Hi, my name's Thorfinn. Hi, it's Xavier. Hi, it's Jack. Hi, it's Daniel. Hi, it's Amaya. Hello, this is Cade. Today we have a super exciting lineup of guests. We have three guests who study caves. Is there anyone else like me who loves, loves, loves caves? Does anyone love caves? I find caves really interesting. There's always something about them that they kind of seem a bit like an alien world. Totally. It's a lot of fun to map caves. Whoa, mapping caves. I think sometimes caves are scary. (laughs) I think a lot of people feel that way. I'm married to somebody who does not like caves, and I've had to drag him through caves. There's great places to see caves in New Mexico, too. Caves in New Mexico are famous, but there are caves all over our amazing planet, and they're formed in all different kinds of ways. We're going to learn a lot more about caves and spelunking and so much more, and this incredible thing called extremophiles. Stick with us. This is the Children's Hour. There's a cave in the woods. There's a cave to we dead to go in. There's a cave in the woods. There's a cave, do we dare to go in? There could be treasure hidden behind a rock. But there could be some snakes, and that would be quite a shock. But there could be a doorway to another dimension. Yeah, but there could be a bear. Can't you feel all the tension? I certainly cannot. There's a cave in the woods. There's a cave, do we dare to no, go no, no, in? No, no, no. There's a cave, cave in the woods. In the woods. There's a cave, do ah. we dare to go in? <laughs> we could be peering at petroglyphs all over the wall. Oh, it's most certainly dark. I'm sure that we will fall. Your sense of adventure is second to none. Uh, this spelunking venture is not uh, the least bit fun. For me, anyway. Oh, there's a cave cave. in the woods. There's a cave. Do we dare to go in? I'd rather be Nick Cave in the woods. There's a cave in the woods. There's a cave. Do we dare to go in? Now, I think we've had enough excitement for today. Um... This cave, uh, well, full of possibilities, is, is very dark. Uh, probably home to a wild animal. Uh, maybe it's just a pit that goes on forever. And um, if we fall, we, we might break our backs or, or, or worse, maybe, maybe get grounded. There's oh. a cave. There's a cave. In the woods. It's in the woods. There's a cave. There's a cave. No. It's in the woods. A cave. Do we dare go? I have a reservations. I have to go to the bathroom. 
That was The Cave off Desert Island Disc by Recess Monkey. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and with us on the show today are three biologists who are experts in caving. Dr. Diana Northup is a world-renowned caver. In fact, Nova has even made a special featuring Diana, and she is at the University of New Mexico in the biology department. Welcome to the Children's Hour again, Diana Northup. Thanks, Katie. I'm happy to talk about caves, and they're alive. That's what I love. Let's get back to that. We also have with you Jenny Hathaway. She is in charge of the lab at the University of New Mexico where specimens from caves get brought in. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. And Ryan Ozadalar is a senior at the University of New Mexico. He's in the same lab that's run by Jenny Hathaway, and he studies microbes that live in caves. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Thanks, Katie, for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're all here. The kids have a lot of questions for you, but I guess let's just start first with the very most basic thing. Is a cave always something that's like underground? What's the most basic definition of a cave? So a cave is always underground, despite the fact that many people who go into Carlsbad ask, how much of the cave is underground? (laughs) It's all underground. And... It's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. The temperature is stable, and it's really humid, and there's all kinds of amazing life in there. Well, that's what's so fascinating is that these are not dead places. You almost feel like going into a cave, like it's impossible for anything to live in there. After all, our definition of what it is to be alive is, you know, we breathe and Maybe we see the sunshine, but these critters never see the sunshine. No. I like to think of it as the walls are alive. Are they literally alive? They're covered with microbes that get things to eat out of the rock. They eat other microbes. They eat things in the air. What's a microbe? So a microbe is something that often is so small you can't see it without a microscope. They're like one one one-hundredth of the width of one of your hairs. So think about how small that is. But then imagine putting billions of them together in one little colony and then having water beat up on it. And it looks like the walls are, are just alive. How did these microbes get to evolve in such harsh conditions in caves? And why aren't they in like a normal place? So... The microbes, we're not quite sure how they get into all the places of the caves. We've done some studies to see if the microbes in the soil above the cave are the same as the microbes in the cave. And it turns out they're not really the same. So they're coming in probably on airflow and coming in through the soil. And then they colonize the cave walls and they can actually help make some of the formations that you see in caves. So why? I mean, I think one of Amadeus's questions was like, Why do they live there? Bacteria live everywhere. But the problem with living in a cave is that you can't use sunlight as your first source of food, right? So they have to find a different way to find food. One of the things they do is they learn how to eat the rock. And so there are certain types of bacteria that get energy from that process, and they're called lithotrophs. So lith meaning rock, troph meaning to eat. 
weird rock eaters. We could call these microbes rock eaters. How many species of microbes are there? In the cave, there are thousands of species of microbes. And we're still discovering lots of new species of microbes. So one of the great things about learning about the microbes in caves is that there's so many that haven't been described yet, and we only know them from their DNA sequence, and that's how we identify them. Wow. So you're saying that maybe once upon a time, spelunkers and scientists who studied caving thought, nah, there's this one species of microbe that lives in this particular cave. But now that we can do DNA sequencing, we understand, oh no, there's actually thousands of species. We're just discovering a whole new world. And that's part of what Ryan's getting to explore at UNM. Yeah. So looking into cave research, it's truly a fascinating field, getting exposed to so many different microbes with the ability to eat rock and form these big communities called biofilms where they just share nutrients. It's a very complex community, but they all help each other out to help survive the, it's not really a harsh environment, but a very different environment. And some of them eat each other. Wow. So you're saying that these microbes live in this cave, they eat the rock, they eat each other, and they eat things that come in from the surface. So we mainly eat carbon, and these guys, some of them eat carbon. And if you go into a cave, you shed skin cells, and they eat things like that. That's Dr. Diana Northup from the University of New Mexico. We're talking about all things caves today on the Children's Hour. But first, this is Climb a Mountain by the Walkin' Jim Stoltz. Come on, let's go hiking. We'll follow the mountain track. Bring along some water and don't forget your pack. We're going to climb a mountain to see what we can see. We won't stop till we're up on top of the wild and blowing free. Up and up we're walking as high as we can go. Up we see for miles and miles in the summertime there's snow. We're going to climb a mountain to see what we can see. We won't stop till we're up on top of the wild and blowing free. In the rocks I see a marmot, he's basking in the sun. And if you hear him whistle, I'll bet he'll start to run. We're gonna climb a mountain to see what we can see. We won't stop to worry about how we're going blowing free. Way up on the mountainside, there's flowers everywhere. Red and blue and yellow, we better step with care. We're gonna climb a mountain to see what we can see. We won't stop to worry about top of the wild and blowing free. And eagles way up there Here's a track still intact From a big old grizzly bear We're gonna climb a mountain To see what we can see We won't stop to we're up on top Of the wild and blowing free As we reach the mountaintop The wind begins to blow There's a distant storm a-brewing And a lively brightly mow We're gonna climb a mountain 
to see what we can see. We won't stop nor up on top of the wild and low and free. It's time to head on down now to the valley far below. We're moving kind of slow now because we hate to go. We have climbed a mountain to see what we could see. We didn't stop nor reach the top of the wild and blowing free. With the wild and blowing free. That's Harmonica Pocket with Dig a Dog Kid off of Sundrops. You're listening to the Children's Hour Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated. We're a nonprofit based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can learn more about us and support our work at childrenshour.org. Support provided by Electric Playhouse, inviting Children's Hour listeners to get out of the cold weather and play at Electric Playhouse, featuring 16 interactive spaces with rotating games, a cafe, and a full bar. It's fun for the whole family to play and dine in a digital wonderland at Electric Playhouse in Albuquerque, New Mexico. More info at electricplayhouse.com.
Many thanks to the County of Bernalillo, New Mexico for their support of our Learn Along guides that meet and cite national education standards. You can find them all at childrenshour.org. Thanks, Bernalillo County. Welcome back to the Children's Hour. Today we're learning about caves from our three expert guests. What kinds of larger creatures live in caves? Ooh, I used to study what are called camel crickets, and there's one kind that's more adapted. It's lighter in color and has a longer ovipositor, which is how you lay your eggs deeper in the soil and protect them from the beetles that like to eat the eggs. So there's these crickets, and there's the beetles that eat those eggs. Do you know that there are actually centipedes and scorpions that are cave-adapted and have no eyes? You're going to make people not want a cave oh, if you tell them so about Oh, but they're so cool. They're completely white. <laughs> well, they sound cool. They might be a little creepy. What is an extremophile? So I would say an extremophile is someone who lives, we call it an extreme environment, and it's limiting in some way. So in the cave, one of the main limiting is that we don't have sunlight. So we don't have photosynthesis as the basis of our food chain. So we, they have to find other ways to live. But you can be an extremophile if you live in an extremely cold environment or an extremely hot environment. So bacteria and another domain of life called archaea that live in like a hot spring where it's almost boiling water, they are also extremophiles. So extremophiles aren't just found in caves, they're found in extreme environments. Exactly. And we're pretty boring. We eat carbon and we like things to be sort of warm. But cave animals can exist in lots of different environments. And then extremophiles can exist in all kinds of environments everywhere. What is the largest extremophile? If you could go to places in Southeast Asia, there's some really big ones there. I haven't had the privilege of doing that, unfortunately. But there's some really cool spiders in the cave in Mexico where we go. And then there's also in the cave in Mexico, there's white fish, but they kind of look like they have blue eyeshadow on and they're very fun to look at. Why are so many cave animals void of color? So think about if you don't have a lot to eat, you've got to be careful with your energy. And so nobody can see you, so color doesn't matter. The ones that don't put their energy into pigment are more likely to survive. And if they reproduce, their kids become more and more white. Same with eyes. They aren't much use in the dark. So they just evolve to eventually not have eyes. Yes. And that makes different categories of cave animals. There are troglobitic ones, totally cave adapted, lose their pigment, get longer legs lose their color. And then there's troglophiles, which live in the caves and are somewhat cave adapted, but there are also ones on the surface like them. And then there's troglozines, ones that come and go from the caves like the camel crickets or the bat. Are some of these extremophiles helpful to humans? 
Oh, yes. So we've been participating in studies where we're, we've looked at a group of bacteria called actinobacteria, and they're responsible for something like 60% of the naturally occurring antibiotics out there. And in the caves, there's a lot of undiscovered types of actinobacteria that would have the potential to make new types of antibiotics. Because there's no sunlight in caves, I'm sure it gets really very cold. So exactly how cold does it get? It actually doesn't get very cold. So the thing about caves is they kind of stay at solid temperature year-round. So it can be cold, like the caves out at El Mal Pais National Monument. They're about the same temperature as your refrigerator. Or like the cave in Carlsbad, I think it's what, about 55 to 60 the whole year round. So that's the great thing about caves is that their temperature doesn't fluctuate like it does on the surface. Mm, That's Jenny Hathaway. She is in charge of the lab at the University of New Mexico in the biology department studying microbes. We're here also with Dr. Diana Northup. She's a cave biologist and scientist at the University of New Mexico and her student, Ryan Azadalar. Ryan Azadalar is a senior at the University of New Mexico in Diana's lab, and he too studies microbes. You're listening to the Children's Hour, lots more on caves right after this.
that the land and plants are starting to hurt. Yeah, the stories travel through a tangled web, but we scroll right by and it never gets read. The mycelium underground news says changes are coming and we got no time to lose. But tell me, what's the use of a headline? Now that's either Distant Thunder or famous bass player Tom Peterson from one of my all-time favorite rock bands, Cheap Trick. Hey Tom, how come you're covered with mud? Well, Farmer Jason, I could make a joke about the bass sounding muddy, but I've actually been out exploring a cave, which is called Spelunking. Spelunking? Cave exploring? That sounds kind of scary, Tom. Well, not really, Farmer Jason, as long as you follow certain safety rules. Always go with your parents or an approved caregiver. It's a lot of fun exploring caves, and someone who does it is called a spelunker. Spelunker? Now that's a fun word to say. Can you kids say that with us? Spelunker! Speed, long, long, curve, curve, 
Let's all call it home so I'll never leave a mess I wouldn't want a batch of trash, my house I must confess Before I let you go, there's just one more thing You will hear an echo If you shout my name, shout it, please That was Spelunker off of Nature Jams by Farmer Jason. And before that, brand new Okie Dokie Brothers, the release is called Bramble Town. I Am a Caver was Dan Welling from the National Speleological Society collection, released in 1975. We've got just a few more minutes with our guests who are teaching us about the wonderful world of caves. How does a cave form? Oh, that's a fun question. So there's lots of ways. I'm going to tell you two of them. Sometimes they form from the top down because rainwater comes in, hits the limestone, and makes carbonic acid, which eats away the rock. But what we have in New Mexico is something really special. They form from the bottom up. Hydrogen sulfide comes in the cave, hits the area where there's oxygen, and it converts to sulfuric acid, something that's really, really abrasive. So we study a cave in Mexico that drips pH 0 to 1 sulfuric acid and carves out the cave from the bottom up. This is why Carlsbad has the gigantic big room. It's what's called a hypogenic cave. I want to just talk about one more form of cave, which is the caves that I like to study, and they're lava caves. And so they're formed when a volcano erupts, and then the surface cools, and so it forms a a hard lava on top. But underneath, there's still a magma that's flowing through a tube. And then when the eruption stops, that tube is left empty, and that forms a lava cave. And in fact, that's what Jenny's son, Jack, who's here, that's where he first went into his first cave when he was four years old. Do you remember this, Jack? Uh, No, not really. Do you remember the second one? Yeah, better. There was a lot of boulders in the entrance, and you had to really sort of scale the boulders down into the cave. What exactly is spelunking? Spelunking is exploring caves. We actually call it caving. And so that's how I got interested in caves. When I was 18, I went in my first cave and it had a stream and I fell in over my head and I thought, oh, this is super cool because I had a really boring childhood. (laughs) You know, (laughs) not everyone would have that experience and think, gee, I want to fall into a really deep, cold waterway in the middle of a cave for the rest of my life. (laughs) Only you, really, and a few others. Oh, no, there's lots in New Mexico who've been doing this for 50 years. What do you enjoy about caving the most? It's quiet. It's dark. (laughs) It's amazingly quiet, and time passes in a totally different way when you're underground. And Ryan just went in his first cave about two months ago. Yeah, Ryan, how was it? Your very first cave. The first cave I went in was Four Windows Cave at El Mapais, and it was absolutely beautiful. You have to like climb down these big rocks, and then there's a whole bunch of just green moss blanketing all over the side. And once you're in, you get to experience just total darkness. But as you look around, you see an entire wall of just pure silver 
looking microbes because they have little water droplets and it makes it all look silver. We saw a bat roosting in one of the corners of the caves and we had to go climb and crawl and take all these amazing pictures. What is the largest cave you have been in? Probably for me, it's Lechuguilla Cave. That's where I did my doctorate work. And it's now, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I think it's about 140 miles long. That seems just so crazy. You know, you can see a movie that has Dr. Northrup going through Lechuguilla Cave. We've posted a link on our website. She was part of a Nova special. What kind of gear do you have to wear into these extreme climates? We wear many layers to stay warm. We have a helmet to protect us from rocks hitting us or we hitting our heads. We have really good lights to be able to see, and we have two backup lights. Because if your light dies and you're in the dark, it can be bad. And then we always make sure we go caving with other people. And we tell people not in our party when we're going in the cave and what time to expect us back out. And the other thing that I really like caving is knee pads because there's a lot of caves that you have to crawl in. Tell them about repelling into that cave. Yes. There's some caves that's so much fun. You get to actually repel down ropes because you have to go down. It was probably about a 40-foot drop for the one that I went into. And then after a long day of caving, you have to haul yourself back up out of the cave, up that rope, back to the top. Caves seem like really amazing environments, but they also are pretty fragile. And I think it would be really beneficial if you helped people understand if they decide to go into a cave, especially after hearing our great conversation, what do they need to do to protect that cave? First of all, recognizing that that cave is extremely fragile. If you knock down a stalactite, maybe it took a hundred years for that stalactite. Or more. A thousand years. And also when you go in, you want to have clean clothes. You never want to leave things behind. Leave nothing but footprints. Footprints. Take nothing but photos and kill nothing but time. That's the motto of the National Spillological Society. And you want to constantly be aware of as you move so you don't accidentally hit and break something that took hundreds of years to form. And you don't want to touch the walls when you absolutely don't need to because you are shedding microbes. As you sit there, you're shedding thousands of skin cells and microbes every minute. We've been talking with Dr. Diana Northup. She's from the University of New Mexico. She's a world-renowned cave scientist. We're here with Ryan Azadalar. He's a senior in her class, and he studies microbes. And the manager of their lab, Jenny Hathaway, has also been our guest. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the Children's Hour today. Thank you, guys. I thank love you. all your questions. Thank you so much Bye. for having me. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May you go to a cave. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. United Way of North Central New Mexico supports the Children's Hour. Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico is a proud supporter of the Children's Hour. The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. 
Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. Token Ibis is a supporter of the Children's Hour. At Token Ibis, they know that philanthropy doesn't need more money, it needs more people. Users can direct Token Ibis money towards their favorite New Mexico nonprofits. Learn more and sign up at tokenibis.org. Okay, kids, get ready. We're going into my favorite part, the tunnels. I love to go in the tunnels at least once a day. <laughs> What's the matter, Billy? What? I, I can't hear you. Oh, c- come here, come here. Whisper in my ear then. You don't like the tunnels. Why? You're afraid of the dark? Shh. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, tell you what. I got a song for you, and then maybe you won't be afraid of the tunnels, okay? Listen. Don't be afraid to go in the shade, even though you can't see the end. Though you think that it's scary, there could be something hairy waiting for you around the bend. If you just close your eyes, you'll be surprised by the things you might see in the dark. So just close your eyes and pretend Now here we are under the sea Hi boys and girls Wow, look at all these fish (laughs) Hey, it's like being inside a giant aquarium Something just goosed me Hey, it's a dolphin Did you do that on purpose? What's that you say? Hop on, you'll take me for a ride. Hmm, sure, why not? Hey, look down below, it's an octopus. No, it's two octopus. Or is it octopuses? Wow, these guys got more arms than an army. Uh-oh, what's that coming straight at us? It's a swarm of fireflies. Wait a minute, it can't be fireflies, we're under the water. Wow, it's a whole school of little neon fish. I wonder how much their light bill is. Hey, what are those things over there waving at us? Anemones? Hmm, I wonder if they're friendly. Sure, huh? All right, well, I'll just wave back at them. Hey, friends and enemies! Oh, my, it's a swordfish. And he wants to do battle. I don't have a sword. Huh? Just grab the eel. Oh, okay. Tension! Straighten up! Let's go! Charge! Hey! He swam away! Hey, thanks, Mr. Eel. Say, just what kind of eel are you? Oh, electric eel! stars and all the co-stars look out here comes a meteor shower or maybe it's just a bath hey i know let's go for a jog around the rings of saturn 
Come on, I'll race you! Whew! Boy, that made me thirsty. Hey, let's go get a drink from the Big Dipper, okay? Wow, sure are a lot of satellites floating around up here. Let's see, what is this one transmitting? Mm, rock videos, exercise videos, cooking videos. What, no cartoons? Yeah, let's go see what's on this other one. Okay, let's see, there's sports, and sports, and sports, more sports, the girls of sports. There's a beer commercial. More sports. Cartoons, what is this? Hey, what's that? Oh, look, it's a little bear and she's made all out of stars. <laughs> hey, what's your name, little bear? Ursa Minor. Wow, that's a cute name. <laughs> hey, you wanna play? Okay, tell you what, everybody, let's go play hide and seek, okay? This asteroid is home base and I'll be it. Everybody hide, I'll count to 100. Ready? One, two, three, four, five and 95 is 100. Ready or not, here I come. Oh, it's Ursa Minor's mother, Ursa Major. Come on, kids, we have to go. And in a major hurry. Where are we now? Any of you kids know? Hey, Cheech, down here, I think I see something. What is that? It looks like a giant computer, but kind of squishy. Like a, a brain? Man, it is a brain. We're in somebody's head. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Mr. Brain, sir. Uh, where are we? Don't you know? Uh, well, uh, sure I know. I just uh, wanted to see if you know. Well, then, where are you? Uh, uh, well, I know exactly where we are. We are exactly, uh, Exactly lost. Uh, could you please tell us where we are? I have to get these kids to school. Why don't you look out the eyes? Uh, look out the eyes. Hmm, great idea. Glad I thought of it. Let's see, I'll just climb up these ridges and... Wow, look out the back of these eyeballs. Hey, come here, kids, look at this. Hey, we're still in the tunnel. Hey, guys, let's look around this place. Tell you what, we'll just hop on this giant court puzzle and go Red River Rafting! Sound. Sounds like a drum or something. Hey, look over there. It's the Heartbeat Disco. And it's open 24 hours a day and the action's always pumping. Hey, let's go dancing! Phew! Oh, that dancing made me hungry. Hey, look over there. That sign says, This way to lay estomago. Hmm, sounds like an Italian restaurant. Well, let's just shoot down this tube here. Sure is empty down here. <laughs> Hello! Hello! <laughs> Wait a minute. What's that rumbling sound? You think it's an earthquake? Look out! It's meatballs! And spaghetti! <laughs> what, no pizza? Uh-oh, I spoke too soon. Here it comes! with pepperoni and anchovies. Ooh. Okay, everybody, chow down. Oh, boy, am I full. 
Maybe we should go for a walk and walk all this food off. Oh, I wonder where this tube leads. Sure is dark down here. I can't see a thing. But I hear something. Hmm, sounds like water. Hey, maybe it's a lake. Hmm, a swim might be nice. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's that sound? Whoa! Let's get out of here. We're going to be singing Through the Waves by the Toilet Gliders. Sheesh, how do we get out of here? Well, I think the best way to do it is the same way we got in. Just blink your eyes and open them. Ready? One, One two, two, three, three. Open! Hey, we're back in the tunnel. Hey, yeah, we're almost at the end. I can see the light. See, there was nothing to be afraid of. I like tunnels. Oh, the world you can visit could be so exquisite. So just close your eyes and pretend. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> hey, look, there's a school. We made it! All right, we made school! <laughs> I knew we'd make it.
Cave of Wonder is the pop-ups. And before that, you heard Cheech from My Name is Cheech, and I'm your school bus driver. Up next, it's Casper Baby Pants right here on the Children's Hour with our episode, Caves Alive. When you're underground, the roots from the trees will tickle your face and elbows and knees as you dig and dig. You might meet a grub munching on the dirt under your favorite shrub. When you're underground, could be day, could be night. As you dig even deeper down, you just might meet a mole in a tunnel. Watching TV, he'll invite you in for a hot cup of tea. When you're underground, you'll see the worms looking proud, all dressed for the show. What a good-looking crowd And listen to the dirty violins and the flutes The concert hall is made of rocks and roots When you're underground When you're underground When you're underground When you're underground You'll hear the mushrooms sing Sing about the dampness and the rocks and things When one sings high, the others do too They sing rock and roll and the blue, 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 blues You might miss the sun, but there are plenty of muddy, funny ways to have fun. You could do a dance with the beetles and the snakes. The people up top will think it's an earthquake when you're underground. When you're underground. When you're underground. When you're underground.
That was Underground Bound by Kristen Taylor, another one off of the National Speleological Society's collection. You've been listening to the Children's Hour. We've been learning about Caves Alive. You can find this episode at childrenshour.org with lots more information and links. Catch you next time for another edition of the Children's Hour. The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. Our show was written by Katie Stone with lots of help from all of us on the kids crew. You can find photos, links, learn-along guides, and more about us at childrenshour.org. Many thanks to our wonderful guests, Dr. Diana Northup, Jenny Hathaway, and Ryan Azadalar. We had help making this show from Eli Henley and Christina Stella. Find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or go to our patreon.com slash the children's hour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the children's hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music was written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and by the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.